This is Found in the Rockies, a podcast about the startup ecosystem in the Rocky Mountain region, featuring the founders, funders, and contributors, and most importantly, the stories of what they're building. I'm Les Craig from Next Frontier Capital, and on today's show, we are featuring an experienced startup founder who is on a mission to revolutionize communication and quality of life for families who are engaged with the entire continuum of senior care. Meet Catherine Wells, who is the CEO and founder of Serenity. Hello, Catherine. Welcome to the show. Hi. I'm super excited to be here. Well, we're super excited to have you. And why don't, to start off, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about your story, who you are, kind of maybe where you grew up and what brought you to, uh, to Colorado? Oh, my gosh. Well, I was born in Colorado, so that makes that easy. Um, I didn't have a choice, <laughs> and I and I'm glad. I grew up in Colorado Springs, born at Penrose Hospital. For any of you listening uh, who who know Colorado Springs back in the '60s, I just gave away my age. Um, loved the '70s and '80s; those are my eras. I'm all about the '70s and '80s music and attire and and the artists. And I hear artists on the radio today, and I'm like. I don't know who you are. You don't sound anything like the eighties. <laughs> I'm going to change the channel now. <laughs> you weren't even born in the eighties. Yeah, you exactly. artists of today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's what I want to say. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm a Peloton fan and I'm always looking for the, the eighties um, programs and I cannot find enough of them. So there you go. Um, oh. So yeah, born in Colorado Springs, raised there. And, you know, it was kind of a small town then for those listening who know Denver and Colorado Springs area. I actually live in Denver now, but I grew up there. I left there after college. um, And I said, I never want to see another snowflake for the rest of my life. So I moved to LA (laughs) and I lived there for five years. And as much as I love the warmth, I did not like that I didn't have four seasons. Mm-hmm. And I moved back. And I so missed you missed the, the snowflakes. You missed I didn't the snowflakes. Mi- no, I missed the mountains. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I missed the snowflakes. Still don't. Right. Um, I know it's really rare for a, a Colorado person to not love the snow. But just, you know, my dad, okay, here's some trivia. My dad taught, took us on our first ski lesson on the coldest day of the year on Pikes Peak. <laughs> and Pikes Peak oh. doesn't even have a ski area anymore. And that was my first experience. And my toes froze, and my nose froze, and my fingers froze. And I just never wanted that, to do it again. That's like I rule know. number one as a parent. Like it has to be, the first experience, experience has to be like more more hot chocolate and goodies than skiing. Like it's exactly. gotta be fun and you gotta love it as a kid. Well, you should have talked to my dad back in 1976. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, kind of fun though to think about or interesting, I guess, to think about the weather pattern changes. Just, mm-hmm. you know, Pikes Peak had enough snow to actually have a ski area. Not anymore. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. But my husband got the Epic Pass this year and he is my co-founder. So he... I told him he has to be careful skiing because he is my co-founder and I need to <laughs> <For sure. laughs> watch the trees. <laughs> yeah. Epic's great. I'm a mountain collective. I got the mountain collective for my. Oh, okay. Here, so. Okay. Yeah. 
there you go. There you go. Maybe, maybe we'll see your husband out there on the slope somewhere. You know, yeah, I know you was, won't. You won't be joining him though. It sounds I won't like. be joining if I'm there at all. I'm in the hut, uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I'm nice and toasty in front of a, a fireplace. You're getting that hot chocolate that you didn't get as a kid. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's my mission in life now. Get that hot awesome. chocolate. Now you should never should have asked me about my my growing up years because there's lots of fun stories there. But I'll get to the 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 really important piece of what I have learned is that everything I've done in my life, every little thing, moving to California, moving home, um, relationships I've had, jobs that I've taken, they all have brought me to this place where I'm doing what I'm doing today. Everything. I love that. Yeah. That's going to be the takeout. We're going to play that one on LinkedIn. That's like a perfect lead in to the episode. Oh. I love it. The theme of the episode. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you're doing those things, you don't know. And you look back and go, wow, okay, I had to do that in order to do this. And and that one is so valuable to this. And and we can talk through all of those things. But yeah, it that's maybe one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that my life unfolded the way it was supposed to unfold in order to get where I am. And somehow I always knew I was going to get here. I, it's, you know, Catherine, I really, I really thank you for sharing that because it's a simple concept, but it's so important. I mean, it's so, so important in terms of living a happy life, I think, and accepting mm-hmm. what life gives you. But also like for founders, it's so much of the journey of founders, right? It's like, if you can embrace your life story and who you are and where you've been and how that has produced, you know, this moment and this opportunity that you have as a founder, that's like, that's a pretty big idea, big theme to build something around. It really is. No, you're not wrong at all. (laughs) And it's a great observation. And interestingly, I spent most of my career in startups. Um, I was never the founder, but I was always like close to or number two and part of driving it. But there is a big difference in being the founder and actually Mm -hmm. having it be your idea and your blood, sweat and tears, even though other people put in blood, sweat and tears for sure. It's just there's just a big difference there. And I didn't I, I just got close enough to the flame, I think, most of my career that I was like intrigued by it. And then one day I said, okay, uh, it's time. It's time. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to that inspiration moment uh, because I think that's going to be really important, but could you bring us up to that point just career wise, life wise, like what are some of these, these steps and sort of the, the big, big milestones that stones that unfolded in your life that led you up to that spark moment? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I moved to LA, moved back. I, when I moved back, I, um, I, it was my first startup job. So when I moved to LA, I worked for Hewlett Packard. And it's kind of weird if you know anything about Colorado Springs, Hewlett Packard was a major employer. So it's weird to leave Colorado Springs and go work at Hewlett Packard in California. <laughs> but I, that's what I did. That is shocking to me. Is that because, I mean, is it like the defense industry that's in Colorado Springs or like the Air Force Academy? Like who's the big HP? Okay. That was a lot of it. And, you know, obviously HP was a different company back then. So it was that it was like, I I don't even know if this will translate for, for our audience, but it was like, 
you never get fired for buying IBM. IBM was the great company to go work for. That was what HP was. It was the great company to go work for. They had an incredible mm -hmm. culture. So things I learned from HP, culture matters and you can keep your culture across a 33,000 employee company because that that's what HP did. So um, they did incredible training. They invested in their employees. They believed in people. They wanted people to grow. I learned some really incredible things there. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, moved back to Colorado and uh, got my first job in a startup. And I was employee number four in a, in a startup in Colorado Springs at that time. And I did not know what I was getting into. And I just fell in love with it. And what I realized is I love, I, I love to be in charge. <laughs> Sorry. I just got to say it. I love to be in charge. <laughs> and I mean, as well, right? Um, Nothing wrong with that. I, Own it. Yeah. I, I know, yeah. right? And I love wearing multiple hats. I love making mm. things happen. And when I, when I kind of compared that to the Hewlett Packard experience, corporate world, it's very easy to get lost in a corporate world. You can mail it in. You can show up and do an okay job and everything's fine. In a startup, you can't. Every single right. thing you do or do not do impacts the business and impacts the people that you're serving and impacts the people around you who are helping you work this mm -hmm. startup. So I learned that. And I, I also had the great pleasure of working for a serial entrepreneur and um, he was, he really brought technology, software technology to Colorado Springs. His name is Ron Munns and he started several companies, Help Desk Institute, uh, Ben Data, which was a um, Help Desk software company at the time that was bought by Goldmine. And, and in the time that I was there, I was with Ben Data and in the time that I was there, we were bought and sold four times. Wow. <laughs> it was like just constant like, acquisition yeah. and then sold back. It was bought by Ziff Davis, sold back to Ron, then sold to Estia and then sold back and then sold to Goldmine. And this is crazy whirlwind, but I learned mm -hmm. so much. I just learned so much about how startups work. And I wasn't, I didn't know I was looking, but I, it happened, right? This is one of those moments where I can look back and go, that was all for me to learn what I needed to learn now. So then I, then I had my child and stayed home for a year or so and went back into the workforce, started another, not started, joined another startup that was on a super fast pace. Again, in Colorado Springs, it was called Channel Point and it was, um, Funded was it SoftBank, I think, just poured um, tens of millions of dollars into it. It was the right idea. It was insurance before insurance, so it was the first insurance, mm -hmm. really. And so that was fun to to be in a startup where you had so much capital, and your job was to spend it, right? Spend it for growth. So that was a whole nother experience. Yeah, you're getting, um, it, you're like checking all the boxes here. All the boxes, right? And watching management, watching the culture, watching, you know, how people interacted. It was a, it was an interesting culture where there were insurance brokers working alongside software people and they didn't mix very well. It was like two different languages, very, very hard yeah. to blend that culture. So um, then I went to another startup in Colorado Springs called, called TeamShare. 
and uh, ended up being there for 10 years, uh, even as it was acquired five years in, um, it was acquired by a Bay Area company. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Around what time time frame did you join TeamShare? TeamShare would have been 1999, so right before the dot-com bust. Yep. Yeah. And so we were- What an interesting time to be in a startup as well, like during the dot-com bust, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Anything to share about that that ride or that roller coaster? That's a great question. I, you know, I'm not sure I knew what was happening when it was happening. I just knew that we had to keep doing what we were doing and that we had a super valuable product that people were still buying, even though the rest of the world was kind of falling apart around us. So Mm -hmm. I guess we were lucky because we really were serving uh, an industry and and, uh, TeamShare was very much um, issue tracking software. So sold to developers and then we were bought by Serena software in 94. So, you know, we made it through the dot-com bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. To yeah it's like, well, is that what I said? Time wow. machine here. Yeah. I'm backwards. <laughs> well, you know, this is a really an interesting observation point for right now. Cause I think a lot of founders in the present are kind of struggling, you know, maybe what, what do we compare this to? Is it, do we compare this to the subprime mortgage crisis? Do we compare this to the dot-com bust? Like, what is it? And but but I think if you boil it down to the fundamentals, it sounds like with TeamShare, you had a clear and measurable uh, kind of value proposition, and you just kept kept on mission, kept focus, kept on target, ignore the the busyness and the noise around of the outside world, and and you you muscled on through. Is that we did? Yeah, you're yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah, we did have to. That's actually the first company that I was involved in actually having to lay people off. And we went through mm-hmm. two layoffs, two rounds of layoffs. We did, you know, we in, we had investments, so we were growing and we grew faster than we should have. And then it happened. Uh, well, we didn't grow faster than we should have had things, had the, the bubble not bust, right? But because it busted, we had to let go of some people and sort of restructure. And that was hard. First time I ever let somebody go, I went home and cried all night because it's mm. just awful to impact somebody's life that way. And sure. And you sometimes will have survivor's guilt. Why Why am I, why do I still have a job and security and benefits and all the things and they don't? That's really hard. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're, you know, mid-30s, you've never done it before. So um, really yeah. impacted, a- impacted. Any, mm-hmm. any advice from that? I mean, thank you for sharing that, first of all. But any any advice that you would have? Because this is, this is, I think, a problem or a challenge, I should say. It's not a problem, but a challenge that I think a lot of founders and, and leaders and companies are facing now. Any, any specific advice you, you give them on how they can navigate those feelings and those emotions? Acknowledge them, I would say. Acknowledge that, that that's what makes you human. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't care, that that would tell you something else about your character, right? And, yeah. and what I learned through my mentors and through experience was that if you don't let them go, it's not serving them. It's not serving you. It's not serving anybody. And um, so, you know, I, I hate cliches, but it's the, the higher, slow, fire, fast. Um, best thing you can do when you're letting someone go is just say it right up front and then give them space to mm-hmm. have their feelings. And believe me, I've had people call me names. I, ha- I had a guy literally... Um, 
pick me up and push me against the wall. <laughs> like, oh. you know, people can get very emotional uh, sure. when their livelihood is at stake and they didn't see it coming. And that's the other thing is try not to make it a surprise for people. Mm -hmm. So great advice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So 2004, going back to 2004 <laughs> now, you said uh, TeamShare got acquired. That was around the year when they got acquired. And uh, what, what next? What, what's what next? You were so there another five years. Another five years with Serena Software, headquartered out of the Bay Area, San Mateo. Um, you know, started. I, I took on. Prior to that, I was really head of uh, product and marketing, and this is mm -hmm. you know pre agile time. So product often fell under marketing. It was more product management. I don't know if you remember the pro project product management institute and you know it was a, just a whole different ball game and so i then took over as key product manager in that organization in serenity and so overnight we went from 50 people at teamshare to 450 at serena oh i think i said serenity i meant serena um, we'll get there we'll get to we'll serenity. get to, yeah. i know see what happens it just slips out <laughs> the serena yes uh, yep and was in charge, the product that they purchased from us, TeamTrack, was their flagship product. So it just married right wow. in with change management. And they also had a mainframe change management tool. Um, we really became the glue that held their other products together. And so that was a lot of fun. And I just had a blast yeah. with that. How big, and you were still in Colorado Springs at the time? Mm-hmm. How big yep. was the team? How was the big was the Colorado Springs team that was that was that became a part of Serena? It did get whittled down. It was probably uh -huh. about 30, 30 people. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but 30 people that were the glue. It's... Right? I know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at that time, my child was mid-elementary school, maybe early elementary school. Um, I, so I was flying a lot. So I, mm -hmm. I, was, I was in San Mateo every other week for a week. Mm -hmm. And then a year after that, Serena bought another company in Portland and we were married into that one as well. Really well. Again, the glue team track being the glue. Mm -hmm. And so um, then I was traveling to Portland and San Mateo, but mm -hmm. I got to, I got to keep my home in Colorado Springs. I loved it and I had a great co-parent at the time. So it mm -hmm. was really, really a wonderful opportunity for me and yeah. didn't, you know, completely sidetrack my life. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what, what a path already. And we're not even there yet. We're not even at, at today. Well, and then get day. this. So when Serena bought, it was called Marant at the time. And okay. um, when they bought Marant in Portland, we then went from 450 people to 800, 900 people overnight. So now it's like, it's like this big growth from this tiny startup to a bigger, you know, good mid-sized company to a pretty, pretty good size mid-sized company. And mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes with that. So there's politics that change, a lot of politics. There's how do you approach things? How do you make things happen? Again, I go back to the, the Hewlett Packard experience where I loved what I did. But if I was sick one day or, you know, I mailed it in for a week or a month, nobody would have noticed. It wouldn't have mattered. Right. And I don't love that. I need to know that what I do makes a difference. So I put myself out there and 
really became a, a spokesperson and got on the speaker circuit, did, um, you know, went with the sales team to their meetings so that I could learn, um, just really tried to dive into their world so that we knew how to position the product better. So, wow. Incredible. yeah. Uh, and what through it all, I mean, you mentioned this product and marketing sort of role that you were settled, settled into, but just, you know, as your career is developing, as your, your leadership skills are developing, like what, how would you characterize the progression of like your superpower? Like, what was it, what was it that kept you, you know, just moving through and growing with these organizations, like superpowers, what, 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 what emerged? Wow. That's so hard for me. I don't know. I, that question's so hard. What's your superpower? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would say, uh, I, I try to, I try to really meet people, uh, kind of where they're at. I think I really, I really tend to pride myself on my, just my empathy for trying to understand people, who they are, where they came from and, and, and just, you know, kind of first principles when it comes to developing relationships. I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I would generally characterize it. I love that. And it's so, it's so difficult to, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I, I actually have someone in the room with me who just said it's my heart. So like thank that. you for that. Yes. Um, that's beautiful. <laughs> and, and I, I would have to agree with that. I think, I, I think um, I have a passion for, making change in the world. And if that means doing really, really hard things, I will do that. And, you know, everyone would like it to be easy, but I don't subscribe to the idea that if it's easy, it's not worth it because some things just are easy and they are absolutely worth it. But when you're out to make big change, like I am like industry wide change that impacts up to 55 million people on mm-hmm. in the United States alone. Uh, to me, that that's a big challenge and it takes heart and that's a, a good thing and not a good thing <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you have, when you have a big heart. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have heart. I love it. Um, well, I mean, it's, and, and, and up to this point in the journey, I mean, it's your journey. It's, it's incredible to think just the depth of experience that you had, as well as the breadth of like stages of companies that you've worked in, in the tech industry. I mean, you you take, you know, one of these decades and that would be enough for anybody's entire career. But now you have sort of multiple decades that you've strung together. Um, So where are we in the story right now? Around 2000. I know, right. (laughs) It is about 2009. And the one thing I didn't share is early at team share, I was also getting my MBA. So I went to Regis University and got my MBA during that time. And I thought that was great. It was a little bit like, oh, you know, you're supposed to get a master's degree. So I'll go get a master's degree and I'll get MBA because I'm kind of a business person. And it was interesting. It was good, but I didn't love it. I didn't have heart for it. Mm. So 2009, um, Serena is, I'm kind of done there. I'm kind of, I've played out my role. I'm ready for startup land again and rolling up my sleeves and just diving in. So mm-hmm. did that, um, you know, just continued with startup companies. Some of them went really well. Some of them, as we all know, were great learning opportunities. 
<laughs> it's usually one of those two things. <laughs> it is. It's, you know, yep, yep, yeah. it is. It's very <laughs> unusual for it to be in the middle and just kind of languish right. for a really long time. Yeah, that doesn't right. happen, does it? So um had a lot of fun with that. And then, you know, a couple years later, uh, met my husband, my now husband, and we got married and moved to Denver. And I love Denver. So it was a very different culture, a different environment. I, you know, had to make new friends, had to, um, you would think growing up in Colorado Springs, I'm right next to Denver that I would just know it, but it, you don't, it, you sure. really don't. And, and Denver had changed a lot. So we moved to the suburbs because we still had kids in school. And mm -hmm. then I said, I need something more to drive my passion so I went back to school and got a master's in uh, psychology and communication. And that was much more up my alley. And at that time, my husband and I launched a startup. I, I'm going to rephrase that. He launched a startup. He is a serial <laughs> entrepreneur. And I joined him because I had such passion for what he was doing. He's and, a serial entrepreneur and you're the serial startup person. Exactly. Yeah, so like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We we fit really, really well, yeah. right? Um, and this, this I want to say, was like company number six or seven for him. So for him, it's wow. old hat. I was kind of learning. So I was really looking to him as we were going through that journey and learning what it looks like to do this from the very beginning and from the founder's viewpoint. And um, in that process, so the product was an online communication tool for uh, divorced parents raising kids together. The goal was to keep the conflict out of it. And yep. we really took a stand that, and I have to credit Rob for this, um, really took a stand that we would not work with lawyers because our focus was to work with people who want to be conflict-free or to be amicable and focus on raising the kids and not to, right. to be, have lawyers pitted against each other. In the end, that doesn't make a good business. <laughs> so, yeah. so in the end, that was a great learning. Yeah, because the lawyers can't bill hours then. And so yeah. it's, yeah, what good is yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, we had 25,000 users on our platform in two years. It was amazing and wow. really made a difference in people's lives. Cool. Um, then I, I went to work for another Bay area company that was AI based and really oh, oh, so we must be in the 20 teens now when AI, yes, yes, <laughs> AI yes. is now uh, in the vernacular. <laughs> yes, okay. exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was so fantastic to learn about what AI really means and all the components that go into AI and, um, and what natural language processing was and machine learning. And these are things I didn't know and sentiment analysis. And mm -hmm. um, we actually, I think one of the funnest projects we worked on, and, and again, this was a learning experience uh, startup. So in, in the end, it ran out of money, but one of the funnest experiences in that organization was working with the Rolls-Royce company as they were designing their self-driving car. And in wow. that design, it was, they showed us their futuristic designs of like basically pods. They were pods that had comfortable chairs all around, like in a circle, you could put your feet up. There was coffee makers, there were little TV screens, the, all the things that are just comforts. And you think about the concept of just hopping into the pod as it's going by you 
<laughs> getting to where you're going and hopping out, right? And not missing a beat yeah. on your meeting or, or whatever yeah. work you're doing or just relax. So it's like yeah. even better than the Jetsons. I mean, I know that's what it made me think of. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and just to say it too, like this is, this is probably early, very early in, in sort of the arc of, you know, this is before Waymo, GM Cruise, Aurora. Yep. Like this is early in the arc of even you know, normal people thinking about cars driving themselves and you're working. Absolutely. On it. So that's, yeah. That's cool. It was a lot of fun. And it reminded me that no, um, successful product happens overnight. Mm-hmm. We all think it does because it that's comes right. to fruition. And even in the big companies like Rolls Royce, they had been working on this for 20 years. It wasn't like it was this new idea they had and now yeah. they're jumping in. They had all the schematics, all the all the architecture, all the designs, um, and, and it's you know. But when something hits the market, if that had hit the market, everyone would have said, "Oh, what a great idea!" They just thought yeah. that up, right? Yeah. What a great twenty-year overnight success. Exactly. The, the that's, goes, right? that's it. That's it. You yeah. got it. <laughs> Very cool. So you worked on that. So Bay Area Company AI, then. Then Serenity? Then, yes, actually. So during this process, in parallel to all the things I've been talking about since 2010, 2011, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and my mom and dad still lived in Colorado Springs. So I would drive down there, um, try to support my dad because he was noticing all of the the things that the rest of us weren't noticing, which is very common. The person living with someone who is getting dementia notice before others. Um, and then we had to take mom's keys away, and that was really really hard. Mm. She she actually she actually threw them at my brother <laughs> when he said, "Mom, you have to give the keys." You have to hand over the keys after a little oh. tiny argument between all of us. She just oh. took them and wham right at him. Yeah. And we can laugh about it now because you know that it was just hurt and anger and fear on mm. her part. And yeah. she didn't know what to do. She just, she knew that things weren't good. Um, yeah. In that process over time, as her dementia progressed, we had to move her into memory care and, Again, a very common story. Notice that dad couldn't live on his own. Within three months, he, he in the last month of those three months, he had four falls in one month. I'm um, living and working in Denver. I have brothers. They're amazing, fantastic. Um, my dad just tended to lean on me. And I, as, as the only girl in the family, tended to just take it on, step into the role of primary care coordinator. And that used to be 90% uh, true that it was, it was females. It, it's more like 65, 70 now. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure I give credit to all the, the other people who are stepping into that primary care coordinator role because it's hard. And, uh, you know, my dad, four falls, one month, I'd get the call at work in Denver, emergency room, I'd have to leave work, drive down to Colorado Springs. Eventually, I said, you know, we got to move you into assisted living, Dad. Mm-hmm. So demanding jobs, right? Startups are demanding. And mm-hmm. maybe people don't know that. So any of your listeners who are unfamiliar with the lifestyle 
<laughs> of a startup, <laughs> it, there there is like very few boundaries of your personal life and your your work life, and I think that's okay. That's part of what you sign up for. So I don't think I'm, that's. I'm glad a you said thing. it. I'm glad yeah. you said it. I, I think it's a, a quite a common theme on these episodes. So if, if they are <laughs> listening, okay. I'm, I'm sure it's starting to sink in. But you're absolutely right. Okay, it's good. Ultra good, demanding. Good. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it is. So really, really demanding job. And yet I'm being randomly called out when my dad has a fall, which of course I'm going to go. And um, I I think when we eventually did move him in, I moved him closer to me. So I moved he and my mom uh, closer to Denver. We found a really great spot between Colorado Springs and and Denver, just on the south end of Denver. And I had a brother in Castle Rock. So it all worked really well geographically so that we could try to split the duties where possible. And I really found at that time that I, so I'm still working at this AI job, right? And in the Bay Area and traveling out there while we're moving mom and dad up here. Um, And I, I realized one day, I, I came home actually from visiting my mom and I was like, Rob, my husband, Rob, I don't know like what I'm doing. I must have 30 people I'm communicating with about my parents' care and they're not talking to each other and I don't know what to do and I'm you know breaking down and, and I'm like, this is not a problem in the technology world. Haven't we solved this problem of disparate teams communicating? And I'm just going on and on and on and comparing it to a different industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of looked at each other and, and I said, I think we could solve this. And he said, me too. Let me build you a prototype because he's a, also a, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's also a brilliant software engineer. I've got to give him credit. <laughs> so yeah. he built me a prototype. And he, and he said, you know, let's see, let's see what we can do, go out and sell it. And I did. And then cool. you go, uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, yeah, yeah, then what? Now what? Uh-oh, now we got customers. <laughs> right. <laughs> what was it? What was kind of the, what was the MVP? Like, what was the kind of just the general product strategy with the MVP and the initial prototype? Um, it, it was, I wouldn't even say MVP. It was prototype. <laughs> <laughs> It was a design of what it would look like that looked and acted like it worked. <laughs> oh, even better. Yeah. Love those yeah. kind of prototypes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you have to test the market. You have to find out. And and lo and behold, I had someone who said, oh, my gosh, yes. Why is this not in the industry? And let me touch on this because really important. That particular person was a younger senior living man, uh, um, owner, owner operator. So my product is in the senior care world and mm-hmm. the, in the senior care world, pre COVID 60% of all CEOs were scheduled to retire in five years. So what does that tell you? They were already close to retirement before COVID they're retiring out, they're aging out of the industry and and, and, you know, thank goodness they did what they did during the time they were, you know, holding the reins and mm-hmm. it's time for a shift in the industry. And so we're getting the younger 35, 40 year olds who are CEOs or owner operators and they're looking around going, where's my tech? Like, I'm a tech native. What, what do you mean we have people sign in at the front in a binder? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. What's this paper stuff? Yeah. Oh, and it gets better. Where's the app. <laughs> uh, well, here's here's the better than signing in in a binder on a piece of paper. Fax it to me. I can only uh, take it in a fax. Like what? What person even knows how to spell fax anymore? It's it's yeah. like such an and 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 I'll just say this, and then we'll come back. I believe the fax machine has become the um, the the easiest excuse. So, how often have you heard someone say, "I faxed it to you"? I did. Yeah. I faxed it. I have the confirmation right here. Or somebody it's, it's saying, like it's in the mail, only even worse. It. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So interesting. So you know, we went out. We took our prototype out. I I took our prototype out, sold it, and then. Uh, as Rob likes to say, it's like dog chases car, dog chases car, dog catches car. Uh oh. <laughs> now what? <laughs> now what? Now what do we yeah. do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we had to build it. Yeah. And so what time frame? This is uh, mm-hmm. late, like late twenty eighteen. Late twenty eighteen. Okay. Yeah, late twenty eighteen. And um, you know, looking back, I'm sure we didn't hide it very well, but we worked really hard to make it look like we already had the product built and we knew what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it worked out. It worked out, and there's still a customer today. Yeah, and and at that point, did you decide? I mean, it sounds like you decided to go all in at that point, right? Or yes and no. So okay. I I um, I was still working kind of doing that, not kind of doing this nights, weekends, and every other minute that I had available. But it wasn't long before we knew that the AI company was going to run out of money. It just wasn't getting funded. And, and the CEO and founder was trying to fund it through, um, Ethereum. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so he, he was really, really, really into cryptocurrency and that was his thing. And it just, it, it wasn't there yet in late 2018. It just wasn't there. So we ran out of money in early 2019. And that's when I said, okay, I can either go get a job, which I did, by the way, I interviewed and I got an offer for the highest pay I've ever had in my life. And it was a job that I could have done in my sleep and done a stellar job. And I had to come Tell me home. You turned it down. I did. I did. Yeah. I'm sitting here with you, right? I, I, if, I, if, if, I, if I had said yes, I wouldn't be sitting here with you. Yeah. It See, was, that's the conviction, though. That's awesome. Like, that's the founder conviction. I love it. It is. But who knew that, right? I had yeah. no idea. I've never been a founder. So at that yep. point, I had never, never done this from that perspective. And I came home and told Robin... And, you know, we could have used the money at the time. And, and it, it was like, I, he said, what does your heart say? What does your heart say? Yeah. You got to go with your heart. And thank goodness I have a serial entrepreneur husband, even though I curse that as well. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it, thank goodness that, that he, he was able to see that this is my passion and it is what I am meant to do in my life right now. Amazing, amazing, brave choice. Yeah. Uh, so you turned it down, turned the offer down, jumped in, full in, all, all in, in on this. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what? Like, did you have to? Were you like, okay, now I got to go raise money, or how did you think through like funding the business and funding, you know, the the experiments and the growth and all that? So we bootstrapped as long as we could which is the advice I always give people bootstrap as long as you possibly can. I 
uh, obviously didn't have a job, so I wasn't getting paid while I was doing this, but Rob continued to work. So he had his day job and, and then was doing this at night. And I, I think hmm, August, 2019, we finally said, okay, it's time. We, we have to start thinking about Rob not working and being able to do this full time. So, um, then we put together our pitch deck and, and, you know, I have, Rob is also a Techstars mentor. So like I, I have the best of all worlds, right. He could coach me on those things. And, you know, as a wife, I am sometimes coachable from my husband and sometimes not. <laughs> so. I was gonna say, now that sounds like a superpower right there. If that's true. <laughs> Husbands and wives that are coachable with between each other. With like, each other. Ah, that's, that's a superpower. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to tell him you said that. <laughs> And you know yeah. my husband, so that's I do. Better, he was so. he was yeah. Uh, yeah tech leader yeah. in one of our portfolio companies. So definitely, yep, yep. So um, so you know we we did it. We went out. We found some angel um, investors and a micro VC in Colorado who really was experiencing the issue that we were solving with oh. their aunt. So they were watching their mom go through this with their aunt and with her sister and just how much pain it was causing and they knew we could solve it. So it was really, it was really a perfect time uh, and perfect people. And they are some of my biggest cheerleaders still today. And I just so appreciate them. It's um, so, yeah, that, that was really great. So that gave us enough money to keep going and, and for Rob to leave his job and do this full time. And we did that for probably another year. Um, and then we said, okay, now it's time. We got to go get some pre-seed funding. We need bigger funding. And we're not at product market fit. We do have some revenue. We have some experiments and some good milestones. So put together another pitch deck and went out and got a little bit more. <laughs> oh, and and Colorado has uh, the Colorado Economic Development um, organization has a fantastic grant. And so we applied for that grant and we got 250K from that grant. But it's a grant that is double matching. So we had to have 500K in the bank in order to get it right. So um, we figured out that was our funding was to go get that 500K, which we did. We got 650. And um, and that that held us for a year. Uh, maybe a little more than a year. And, and this is in, in the midst of sort of COVID, right? Oh, uh, right, in the middle of COVID. Yeah, right in the middle right. of COVID. Unless, you know. And that's about I, when we met, I think, too, right? Was it 2019 or 2020? I can't remember exactly. I think I think so, because I yeah. think it was at a at a um, gathering for the company Rob was working for in Boulder, right? Yep. Iron Core yep. Labs, was it? That's right. That, yep. I think so. Um yeah, I think so. And, you know, we always think people are going to be logical and people are never logical. So mm -hmm. for my business, which is was all about at that time, all about communicating between staff and family members about those in their care who couldn't advocate for themselves or couldn't um, represent themselves very well. Like my mom was nonverbal the last two years of her life. And so I, you know, I, I absolutely depended on the care team. I couldn't just call her up and find out my dad, I could call and he would, he would talk like crazy, but he would tell me all kinds of stories that were not true. Like he hadn't mm -hmm. been fed or hadn't been showered or didn't know who his doctor was. And, 
even when you know they're not true, <laughs> it still you makes your heart still stop. want to help. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, now I'm trying to think where I was. So, so, uh, so 20, so 2020, you, you, so you, you said you went out to kind of get raise a seed round then it was it late 2020, 21. Yes. It was early 2021. That's what it was. Okay, yes. And yes, we're in 2022, right? So That's hold correct. on. No, I, I, well, I, this was I missed early whole... 22, early 22 is when you went out to raise the early seed. 20, you closed, you closed it in April of this year. We did. We did. Yeah. We closed a, a $1.3 million round in April. Yes. Incredible. And, um, and yeah, so that, that's where I was going during that time. One would think that my business would be flourishing because COVID locked everyone down and we have people sitting at windows saying hello to their loved one. Right. So you're thinking that a technology that could solve that problem would be in high demand, but people aren't logical. And when their house is on fire, they have to take care of the fire first. They cannot look at ways to make sure it doesn't get on fire again. So Rob calls it uh, cow in the ditch. When there's a cow in the ditch, the first thing you do <laughs> is you get the cow out of the ditch. The second thing you do is What do you use to get the cow out of the ditch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've he never has, heard this before, but I'm oh, so intrigued. He, oh, All right, what's he the second so thing you do? Many analogies. The second milk thing the you cow? do is I, mean, what I milk the cow. That's it. I don't. What is the second thing? <laughs> I, you make sure the cow doesn't go in the ditch again. Okay. Say, so figure right. out how to not get the cow in the ditch, right? So the cow okay. was in the all ditch right. all through COVID, and I see. And it was hard. It was really hard sell. Um, you know, we did get some customers and. Uh, they were amazing. So, you know, we were really steady, but super slow. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now that COVID has lightened its grip, loosened its grip, um, just now, literally a year after it's really loosened its grip enough for people to be visiting again. Mm -hmm. Now is when communities, senior living communities, home health, home care, hospice providers, others who are providing care for our, our older adults are able to just finally take a breath and lift their head and say, okay, I, I'm going to go back to it. The cow's out of the ditch. <laughs> we figured out COVID. We know how to do this. We know it's going to come again. We know what happens when it comes again. We know what protocols to put in place. Time to start looking at how we don't let that disaster happen again. And, and that with the combination of the younger folks moving into leadership roles has really spurred our business. Mm -hmm. So senior care, and I say that intentionally, not senior living, senior care, which is the entire spectrum of mm -hmm. any provider providing care is undergoing a massive generational and digital transformation right now. Wow. And, and you're, we are, you're right at, we're right, right at the there. The we are right there. Very we are, cool. we are making all of this simple. Yeah. That's our goal. And technology can be complex. It can be, uh, we sometimes call it app Jenga because there's so many different apps that, you know, mm -hmm. everybody's like, Hey, try this software, do that app, do this thing, do that. Just install this, um, remote patient monitoring. Everybody's like, throwing things at the, at the yep. providers who, who don't understand all of it anyway. And then they mm -hmm. try to put it all together. So our goal is 
to just make all of that work together and be simple for everybody. Yeah. Very cool. And as part of, part of this, this mission and this journey, I mean, you've, you've, it seems to me like you've really tried to become a thought leader in this space as well with, um, you, you have a, a video podcast. Is that, is that right? The Mavericks I do. Mavericks. Tell us about that. Oh my That's gosh. Cool. Okay. So this will crack you up. You know, that, that customer that we sold the prototype to, yep. <laughs> I'm sitting next to him on the couch at one of his facilities, um, you know, doing some backend stuff, trying to get this rolled out without him knowing that it's all backend. Right. <laughs> and we start chatting about the industry and I asked him how he got into it. He shared his incredible story about his grandfather with Parkinson's and how he watched his mom deal with that and the same issues that I had been dealing with. And that's what drew him to serenity. And, um, and then he just shared his immense love for older adults and his incredible brilliance in how to manage care in a way that is is dignified for them and loving and creates as much independence as possible. And I was just like blown away by this guy because I hadn't met anyone in the industry like him. And I said to him, you know, I've been thinking about starting a podcast and talk about this. I feel like we need to raise this conversation nationwide. And so we said, Let's do it. And we literally, literally Amazing. had no idea what we were doing. We sat down with a laptop like two months later. We pushed the play button. We didn't have headphones on. We were using our laptop mic, you know, all the things you're not supposed to do. But we didn't know. And we just <laughs> did it. And we, we talked for 20 minutes. And, and then we did a next one. And now we're three years in. And we interview people across the industry, leaders, caregivers, families, older adults, um, technology providers, everybody to really shed a light on what's happening in reality in this industry. Because when was the last time you heard somebody say, I can't wait to go to independent living or assisted living? I'm so excited. <laughs> Never. Never no. in my family. I don't know if no. other families have a different experience, but it's no. usually ki- kicking and screaming and it's sad. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's sad. Yeah. And it, and it shouldn't be, it really just, it, it's just another place to not just, it's another place to thrive. And this whole thing about everyone should age at home. Everyone wants to stay home. Not everybody wants to stay home and not everyone should stay home. It's very lonely. It's very isolating if you don't have the support systems around you and to have home care 24 seven is way more expensive than, than moving in. Yeah. Plus, when you move into a community, you get all the support, you get activities, you get meals, you you have the option to be social and, and really engage and, and truly thrive. Right, because that in turn can lead to better quality of life, better day-to-day happiness, potentially longevity as well, right? Absolutely. Yes, longevity, fewer hospitalizations, mm-hmm. um, lower depression, a, a lot of... of um, beneficial, emotional, mental, financial, physical benefits. Well, we'll be sure to post the link to, if you're listening and you'd like to learn more about the Mavericks of Senior Living, we'll be sure to post that in the show notes. Um, Two more quick things. One, I want to highlight. So uh, in April of 2022, you were nominated as a finalist, uh, a top entrepreneur finalist in the state of Colorado. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, I was. I was very excited. So well-deserved. I mean, I got to say- 
I'll get out of here. I got no, I was I was about to say it's about time. Oh, thank you, Les. Thank you. No, yeah. I truly didn't know. Someone forwarded it to me and I was like, what? I just I had no idea. Yeah. It was wonderful. Cool. What a great accolade. And then uh I also understand maybe something exciting uh that, that just broke a few weeks ago that you maybe wanna wanna announce. Very exciting. So um we recently uh formed a signed a a strategic alignment with a company called World Cinema that actually started their life in the hotel industry. And imagine the hotel industry, even 10 years ago, if you had budget, your your question was, do I implement software that's going to make us more efficient or do I put new carpet in the room? And the answer was always put new carpet in the room. Always, always, always. <laughs> Until one of the hotel chains said, huh, you know what, I think we should look at the traveler experience and remove the friction from the traveler experience. Let's focus on Mm. that. And that was the winning play. And that is exactly what is happening in senior living right now. So World Cinema said, huh, let's take our knowledge, our experience, uh, all the lessons learned, and let's go do this for senior living because we know how to do this. Um, so we signed a reseller agreement with them. They are bringing serenity into their deals. And as part of that relationship, we are in the thrive innovation center in Louisville, Kentucky. Anybody in the senior care world knows about thrive innovation. It is a nonprofit where they have set up a, a space for senior care executives to tour and see what the latest, newest state-of-the-art technology is to create the future of senior care. And we're part of it. And we're very excited about that. That is such exciting news. And I'm, I mean, it's, it's refreshing to hear that sort of, that sort of a visionary, uh, you know, kind of, kind of approach to things. I'm, I'm really excited to hear that. And, and boy, is it exciting that you're at the center of, of the future there. So thank you. You know, I, I truly, I feel like between Mavericks and, and Serenity and then, you know, I've done a few other things that are kind of shaking up the ground in senior care. Um, you know, I want to change the world and I, I don't mean that lightly. I want to change the world. And that's what the rest of my life is about is changing the human experience of the way we age. That's it's incredible. Um, my last question, I always like to kind of ask, you know, kind of a personal one at the end. And, and I'm just curious for, for folks that are, you know, listening to the podcast that maybe are starting to approach, um, you know, s- some of these stages of life where they're dealing with care for their parents. Um, any, any advice that you would give to folks to help them, you know, get, get through some of the high level kind of challenges that, that, you know, we, we all are expected to face, I think someday with regards to caring for our parents and for seniors. Yes. Don't go it alone. We all think when it starts Mm. to happen, we all think we are the only ones Mm -hmm. and nobody else has gone through it and nobody knows what we're going through. And it's just not true. There are so many resources available. Reach out to me. I'm happy to connect you to the right resources. I probably won't know the answer, but I, I can guarantee I know someone who will. And, and leverage your resources because there are a lot of people just like you in the same pain that you're in. And some people are a little bit ahead of you and are able to say, here's what the trail looks like. Here's how to navigate it and help you through that. 
just don't go it alone. And, and, uh, you know, I'll, I will share, um, that we, I, I spoke with someone recently who I was telling them what we do and, and she kind of started to cry a little bit. And she said, you know, my husband was that he was the primary care coordinator and he had a breakdown because it is so intense, so emotional, so time consuming and so financially draining that he had a, a literal breakdown and we just don't need that. So don't let that happen to yourself. Reach out, use the resources, call me. I will get you connected. That's great advice. And now your cell phone number, please. So they can call you. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> it's on our website. <laughs> a lot of calls. It's on your website. All right. Well, well Catherine, I just want to say as a friend and as an entrepreneur that I have just grown to have tremendous respect and admiration for in Colorado, I want to thank you so much for being on our podcast. Certainly, your big heart is an amazing superpower, but there's so much more uh, where that came from, your high EQ, your amazing communication ability, the impact that you're having on people and the culture that you're building uh, in your company. Uh, I think I speak for all of us. We're excited to see where Serenity goes from here. Oh, thank you, Les. I think I need you on my shoulder saying that every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here. If you need me, just call. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and why don't you just leave our listeners uh, with just where they can find more about you and Serenity online? You bet. So uh, go to www.serenityconnect.com. We just switched over uh, and launched a new website. Very cool. I'll have to check that out. Thanks, Catherine. Yeah. Thank you, Les. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to nextfrontiercapital.com to get transcripts, links, and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop every two weeks. We'll see you next time.